0: Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Sleep can be the ultimate performance enhancer. But how can you get a great night's sleep every night? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talked to a top sleep expert who shares facts and advice to help improve the quality of your sleep. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Dr.
1: Chris Winter is a board-certified and internationally recognized sleep medicine specialist as well as a board-certified neurologist and now the author of The Sleep Solution, Why Your Sleep is Broken and How to Fix It. So let's start with a kind of a report card on the state of sleep in America today. How bad is it?
0: I think the state of sleep in America is okay. It's certainly better than an article I read recently that said, Why 50 Million Americans Can't Sleep. We have a lot more distractions to our sleep than we used to. We're probably being asked to do more on less sleep. But these are things that we can correct either individually or societally if we just give a little bit of attention.
1: One thing you write about that was very interesting is that our sleep perception is far different than our sleep reality. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can divide people who come to my clinic into one of two groups. Group one is, I can't sleep. Group two is, I can't stay awake. I think we put a lot more attention, like media attention maybe, to the people who say they can't sleep because they're A, a little bit more vocal, and B, just sounds terrible. I can't sleep. Well, if you start connecting dots, well, if you can't sleep, and an individual who can't sleep can have a heart attack or a stroke or dementia or heart disease and whatnot, then it becomes a very scary situation versus the person who says, oh, I have two jobs, but I do just fine with that. To me, the person who's got two jobs and is getting by with four or five hours of sleep, even though they tell you they do fine with it, they've done well with it for years, I'm a lot more concerned about that person than the person who tells me I sleep one hour every three weeks because, A, I know the person who sleeps one hour every three weeks sleeps a lot more than that. In fact, all I have to do is ask their partner, do you really think your partner sleeps one hour every three weeks? And they'll say, no, no, he sleeps all. Every time he sits down, he falls asleep. He just Every time we say, why don't you just go to bed, he doesn't think he's falling asleep. So to me, that perception of sleep is a huge hindrance to our ability to get to the problem. Because when you talk to your doctor and say, look, I can't sleep, It's like the one condition we just get to tell our doctors we have. I don't get to go to my doctor and say, you know what? I'm a 46-year-old man. I'm pregnant. He would say, I'm crazy. Chris, you're not pregnant. You're a man. You're 46 years old. It's impossible. When we go to our doctors and say, hey, I can't sleep. You got to give me something to help me sleep. We don't question it like we should, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And even though you are sleeping, you still have a problem we have to solve. We just need to redefine what that problem is. It's not that you don't sleep. It's that you're not satisfied with the way you're sleeping. We can fix that.
1: I understand you advise patients that they should always wake up at the same time every day, even if their bedtime varies. So sleeping in on the weekends, for example, is not a good idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, if something has prevented you from sleeping, so Thursday, Friday night, your kids had the flu and you were up all night dealing with their vomiting and you're giving them medicine and whatnot, to catch up on that lost sleep on the weekend is probably okay. It was not your fault had your kids not been sick, you would have slept fine and kept on your schedule. So you're kind of making up for a deficit that was not really your fault. To me, that's different from somebody who says, hey, I went to bed last night at 10 o'clock. It took me four hours to fall asleep. So when I got home from work, I took a three-hour nap to make up for my lost sleep. Well, that really only serves to compound the problem because now you're going to go to bed at 11 o'clock after your three-hour nap and lo and behold, you won't be sleepy. So now the cycle starts to continue. So to me, if you're struggling with your sleep, most people who have insomnia, they're not having insomnia because they can't sleep. They're having insomnia because they don't know when they're going to sleep. And they're frustrated by that unpredictable nature of their sleep. So, control what you can control, and that is, you make your wake-up time 7 o'clock in the morning like any good drill sergeant. And once you've got your wake-up time set, you don't worry too much about your bedtime. You know, if you fall asleep at 11 o'clock, great. If you don't fall asleep until 12.30, that's okay too. You just want to keep the course, and that's why most people in boot camp don't have a whole lot of trouble with insomnia. They've got a rigid schedule, which is why you often see a lot of insomnia in retired people. They don't have kids in the house to take care of and around the baseball and soccer practice, and they don't have a job that requires them to be there every morning at 7 o'clock. So now that they've got this flexibility in their schedule, it really works negatively against their sleep.
1: Our guest on InfoTrack is Dr. W. Chris Winter. He's a board-certified and internationally recognized sleep medicine specialist and now the author of The Sleep Solution, Why Your Sleep is Broken and How to Fix It. You touched on naps a moment ago. Let's talk about that. Are they helpful, and how long should a nap be?
0: You know, I always tell people napping is for people who are efficient sleepers, meaning I slept great last night, but for whatever reason, I'm a little bit sleepy, so I'm going to take a little 15, 20-minute nap. I don't have a problem with that. For somebody who's saying they had the opportunity to sleep last night, but they didn't, I think you have to be very careful with napping. Napping should be relatively short. It usually happen in the morning because you tend to add the last night's sleep instead of subtracting from the upcoming night. And it's great if you can schedule your nap. My nap time is from 11 to 11.20 every day. doesn't mean I nap every day from 11 to 11.20, but if I'm going to nap, it's going to happen during those 20 minutes. I see a lot of parents get into trouble with their kids when they allow the kids to sort of dictate the nap time well i like to put junior down at 10 a.m for his nap but sometimes he'll fuss and won't fall asleep till 11 so i just let him sleep from 11 to 12 you're setting yourself up for a lot of problems when you allow the child or your own brain to kind of dictate the sleep you want to set the time for it if sleep happens awesome if it doesn't no big deal move on with your life
1: You're right that stimulants such as caffeine and alcohol and nicotine are bad for sleep. Does that mean that, for example, a glass of wine or some other drink in the evening is a bad idea?
0: I actually think a small amount of alcohol, particularly in men with cardiovascular history or cognitive history in their family, is probably a good idea. The litmus is, are you using alcohol to sleep? Do you feel like I need that drink to settle myself down so that I can sleep, or No, 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 I don't really think of it that way. It's more or less that I think it's a crime to have pasta and fish without a good white wine. Like if that's your situation, fine. I tell people, look, have the alcohol you want, just have it with breakfast. That's my joke. My point being, separate the alcohol from the time you go to bed. Give yourself a time to metabolize the alcohol before you hop into bed because alcohol is terrible for your sleep. There's a group of individuals tell you, look, I'd never sleep better than when I have my six-pack before I go to bed. And what they're actually saying is they're sedated more when they have their six-pack, meaning we talked about earlier fragmented sleep. When I have my six-pack, I drink my six-pack, I go to bed, I don't wake up till the alarm clock goes off. Great. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that your sleep quality is better. We tell people all the time sedation and sleep are two completely different things. And if you don't believe me, ask Michael Jackson. Oh, wait, you can't because they sedated him to death. So it's very important to understand that. But, you know, again, alcohol, there might be some benefits to that. Just have it well before the time you go to bed and in moderation.
1: We're nearly out of time, but any final tips for just getting ready for bed?
0: Your wake time is where I want you to focus your attention. Try to get up at about the same time every day. If you want to sleep in a little bit on the weekend, that's fine, too. For a bedtime, the bedtime is not when you go to bed. It's the earliest you're allowed to try. So you should never go to bed when you don't feel sleepy and you should never go to the restaurant when you don't feel hungry. You know, it's okay if lunchtime rolls around and you're not that hungry, you skip your meal. And most people don't panic about that and think they need some sort of appetite stimulant to avoid starving to death. I mean, it's just like, oh, let's skip lunch. It's not that big a deal. I'm sure I'll get hungry in the future. Sleep works just like our hunger.
1: Dr. Chris Winter, board-certified and internationally recognized sleep medicine specialist and the author of The Sleep Solution, Why Your Sleep is Broken and How to Fix It. Thanks for joining us today on InfoTrack.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: For InfoTrack, I'm Roy
0: Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of
1: Syndication Networks of Chicago.